0: Hello there. Welcome to No Extra Words, Season 3. This is Chris's audiobook journal for April 7th, 2019. It's been a while since I've come in and talked to you. I've been sick. I'm hoping not to cough through this. But I'm on day five of antibiotics and cooking along. I have been reading a lot though. I haven't been on the mic, but I have been doing a ton of reading, which is good because that's what I'm here to talk about. And I've actually been on a bit of a graphic novel kick. So I want to talk a little bit about graphic novels there was an article I tried to find it before I came on to talk to you guys and I couldn't find it but it is not something that hasn't been done before these pop up every couple of years somebody gets on some publication and talks about how graphic novels aren't quote-unquote real literature or high literature or something and the entire book world goes up in arms on social media for a couple of days and that happened I don't know probably a month ago now Um, and it got me thinking about my own journey as to where I've come with my relationship with graphic novels. And I want to preface this. You all know that I'm a librarian. And when I give my opinion on categories of literature or genres of literature, it is never meant to be a censorship thing. I give the materials to my customers That they want. So, whether you are five or 50, if you come to me at the desk I'm working at at my library and ask for something, you're going to get it and you're going to get no judgment about it. So, when I talk about my own personal reading life, I'm always wearing that hat. I have never been a person who said that anybody shouldn't or should read anything, and that includes graphic novels. But my own relationship with them has certainly changed. I started working with kids in libraries in two thousand four. I can't believe it's been that long. Um and at that time I didn't really understand what graphic novels were. I was not a comic book reader as a kid. I don't know my superheroes to this day from each other. Um, except for an occasional look through like the funny papers. My dad has had a newspaper subscription for a long time. So when I was a kid I would occasionally look at those I liked Charlie Brown, um, but I've never been what you would call a comic book reader. And I didn't really understand graphic novels. And in 2004, they, I think, were more of a fringe thing than they are now. They are certainly not new. We are going to talk about that. It's not like they've randomly appeared. But I think there has been a burgeoning of them, which makes a lot of sense. We live in a much more visual culture now. And there's been an expanse in the kind of areas of literature in which graphic novels are common. And so we're sort of in a golden age of them, but they're not new. Um, And they weren't new in 2004 when I started in libraries. But I would say in early libraries where I worked, there would be less likely to be, for example, a kid's graphic novel section. There might be one for teenagers, there might be one for adults. Um, There might not be one at all. They might just all be in the 741.5, which is Dewey for comics. Um, My relationship with them was I just didn't understand them, so I didn't read them in those early days when I worked in libraries. And um, somebody suggested to me the graphic novel for non-graphic novelists at that time, and it was a kid's book, and it was called To Dance, a ballerina's graphic novel. And it was written by a ballet dancer whose last name was Siegel. And it was illustrated by her husband. So I checked that one out. Um, I can't remember what year. I think it came out somewhere around 2005. And it was cute. I think that was the takeaway from it for me is that it was cute. I mean, it was about a ballet dancer. There was nothing that felt edgy about it because I think at that time that was my perception of graphic novels manga was starting to be a really big thing so manga is the catch-all term for Japanese style graphic novels you read them back to front um, they are sort of the book version of anime if you will and they are translated into English generally and you can also of course read them in Japanese as well and that that's a big catch-all term because I think at that time I assumed that manga was all kind of the same there's a drawing style to it there's the Japanese drawing style to it but that doesn't mean they all fall in the same category in terms of plot lines there are manga mysteries there are manga you know sci-fi there's manga romance there's manga erotica it runs the gamut manga as a subset I've read some of it over the years it's not my favorite form of graphic novel because I don't gravitate to the drawing style that's not that it's a bad drawing style it's just not my particular thing um there have been a couple of series that I haven't minded so much but it's not my choice it's something I usually gravitate to But it was what I thought graphic novels were because it was so big with the teenagers that were coming into my library that when I heard graphic novels, that would be what came to my head. And to dance a ballerina's graphic novel, which is sort of written for nine-year-old girls, was so different from that. And that's when I think I sort of realized that there was this world opening up. And in the years since then, it has broken wide open in terms of what is available for children, teenagers, and adults. Um, You can get graphic novel memoirs. You can get graphic novel nonfiction, which is, I don't like that, that term because novel by itself sounds like... Um, nonfiction is a novel, but we refer to graphic novel, nonfiction as graphic novel, nonfiction. So you can get that, um, in the last year I've read a graphic novel history of the computer, a graphic novel history of baseball. Um, there's just so much now coming out. So to dance launched me into being willing to be a reader, of graphic novels, um, but still as a sporadic reader. I wouldn't say that I really came into them, even at that time. Um, my husband connected me with Mouse, which is one of the more classic graphic novels. And you probably don't get a more dramatic transition from than from going from to Dance, a ballerina's graphic novel, to Mouse. So Mouse was written as a serial. A lot of the earlier graphic novels were; they were written as comic serials and eventually put into novel format and it was written in the 1980s and it's the author's story of his father who was a Polish Jew surviving the Holocaust. Um, It's brutal. It's awesome. I mean, it's a really, really, really great. I think there's, I think it's actually bound as two volumes. I think it probably depends on which edition you get. It's a brutal book. It's a stunning book. Um, And it's a classic, I think in the genre Of graphic novels so my husband connected me with that and that was kind of that led me into some other things that I read like reading graphic novels for adults and understanding that it wasn't all for teenagers and it wasn't all sort of light fluff um that there was a lot to it so I became kind of an occasional reader of graphic novels when one came across my plate but I would tell you that it was it still wasn't really my thing um but of course, the marketers were out to get me, as they are out to get all of us, and they will eventually find you. And they found me, and I've talked about this before, Um, they found me by presenting The Babysitter's Club in graphic novel format. I did a, a whole podcast episode about The Babysitter's Club, which you can go back and reference. But um, they were re-released, and the first four are drawn by graphic novelist Raina Telgemeier, who I would say was one of my kids, my students' favorite graphic novelists when I was working in a school library. Um, She is very, very popular with boys and girls. I think of that middle grade age. She does really well with the sort of relationships um, between siblings, between friends of that age group. And she is my age herself, and she has... um, been a babysitter's club fan so she was a logical choice to draw the first draw and adapt the first four babysitter's club books as the series has got have gone on they've transitioned to artists so she did the first four and then she's gone on to do some of her own stuff um she's probably best known for smile and drama both really great books and in the last couple of weeks, I've been rounding out her backlist by reading Sisters, which I really liked, and Ghosts, which I really didn't care for as much. So that was kind of my clunker in terms of what she's written, the one that I didn't care for as much Um what I'm excited to get is she just came out with kind of a how-to graphic novel writing book for kids called Share Your Smile. So I am excited to get my hands on that. I don't draw, so I don't see myself as a graphic novelist. But I can't turn down a writing craft book, and I definitely can't turn it down a writing craft book for the middle grade audience. So Brandon teller is a big one for me. And the other thing that happened as I was getting into Raina Telgemeier is one of my favorite authors ever, Shannon Hale, did a Rapunzel story in graphic novel format. That was illustrated by Nathan Hale, no relation. And they did a couple of those. It's a sort of Wild West Rapunzel. It's it's a really great book. And I think in discovering Raina Telgemeier and reading that Shannon Hale book, What I was doing was I was finding out what graphic novel style actually appeals to me. Because like I said, you can get graphic novels in all kinds of genres and formats. And what I've discovered is I like them in color. Not exclusively, but I prefer them in color when I can get them. Um, Obviously, color is more expensive to produce. So that it's saved oftentimes for some of your bigger name authors. Although kids' graphic novels are often in color because kids respond to color. I like the bigger bolder illustration style I like a more American illustration style um and I like a story that appeals more to a kid audience oftentimes I like mine to be pretty clean and um kind of what we would call modern contemporary fiction not so much of the sci-fi not so much of the romance so sort of finding what graphic novel style works for me and that's really nice because there is such a variety out there that as with any other kind of book you can find the ones that appeal to you and leave the others behind so those kind of launched me into really being more of a graphic novel reader and then Um, one came out that's actually going to be your book recommendation you didn't ask for. This is the book that I recommend in terms of people who are adult readers, who are not graphic novel readers. Um, It's not for kids, but... The book is Marbles, Mania, Depression, Michelangelo and Me by Ellen Forney. It is in black and white. Um, Like I say, I prefer them in color, but it's really well drawn. It's a really good read. And here's a few things I like about it. First of all, it's a memoir. I love a good memoir. I think the graphic novel format lends itself well to memoir obviously has to be a, an artist who can draw it. But memoir, I think is one of my more favorite genres for graphic novel. Um, it's set in Seattle, which is always fun. And it honestly reads as kind of a love letter to Seattle, which I enjoy. But one of the things I love about it is it has one of the best. So the story is this author is bipolar and it's her struggle to manage her disease while minimizing her dependence on meds. She's not against meds. It's just, you know, having lived on meds and lived with the side effects of meds, she wants to sort of transition to managing her illness in other ways. And obviously bipolar has the extremes of depression and mania um but this book has one of the best visual depictions of depression I've ever seen as somebody who doesn't personally deal with depression but has sort of lived near it with people in my life it is hard to understand and it's hard to put into words and people when they are in it can't really explain it to you and the visual depiction of it in this book is so educational and so eye-opening and it's a really, really, really good read. And I honestly, I like graphic novels because they're quick reads. There's not a lot of text to them usually. And so, you know, they're not fast, fast, like a picture book. There's more to them than that. But, you know, I can usually get through a graphic novel in a couple of hours. And it's nice to kind of sit with a book and be able to finish it in a sitting or two. So that's your book recommendation you didn't ask for. Um, If you're new to the genre, that's a really good one to start with, I think. And one of the things that I have noticed in recent years is the world is opening in terms of graphic novels written by and for women. Not that this is a women's book. I think anybody can read the book. I actually bought it as a gift for my husband and he really likes it. But as with a lot of things, this has been a genre that's been pretty close to women. Um, you know, comic books, and, and there's a lot of stereotypes surrounding it. And... There have been a lot more graphic novelists aimed at women and girls in recent years. And I tend to be a reader of women's fiction and tend to gravitate to those things and women's memoirs. So that's your book recommendation you didn't ask for. Um, I do have to talk about adaptations because there are some good ones and there are some real clunkers. And I think we're all afraid whenever anything that we love gets adapted into a new format. And so one of the things that has been popular in recent years is to take classic books, especially kids' books, and turn them into graphic novels. And the big one that I think wasn't the first, but it started the trend, was A Wrinkle in Time. And here's the thing about the Wrinkle in Time graphic novel adaptation. It's gorgeous. It's in dual color. It's it's blue. Um, So it it's got some color to it, but it isn't in full color. But the thing I love about it is, of course, one of the awesome things about The Wrinkle in Time, and we did a Wrinkle in Time episode as well on that show, but one of the things about A Wrinkle in Time is it's got some really amazing language to it. And one of the things the graphic novel adaptation does is lift some of that language straight out of the original and put it into the book. Um It's drawn really well. You know, with something like A Wrinkle in Time, it's always really hard because all of us who love it have our own in our heads visuals that play when we read it, which is why I think the movie was a clunker for a lot of people because it didn't live up to that. Um and obviously the graphic novel is only be one person's vision of this story but it is really really beautifully drawn and the other thing that i think helped me in accepting it is at the time that it came out i was working with a population of dyslexic kids and a lot of them were going to have trouble accessing the language of a Wrinkle in time in its original even on audio that was one way for them to get to it but if language is something you struggle with, some of those books that are full of this thick, rich language are hard to access. Taking some of that original language and pairing it with the visual was a way to get them to be able to access this, which I thought was a really cool thing. So I really liked that one. Um, some are better than others, like I say. The Anne of Green Gables one. There's a pretty new Anne of Green Gables one I like but don't love. Um, it's good. It has definitely the right feel to it. But again, if that's not the visual that plays in your head and this is a book that's a favorite of yours, that's hard. I've seen some bad ones. I know there's a bad Alice in Wonderland out there, but I can't remember who the artist is. Um. So it's, it's hit or miss. But it is interesting that they are being adapted in this new form. Sitting on my shelf to read right now from the library is the Anne Frank adaptation. That's pretty new. Haven't read The Diary of, of a Young Girl in a long time. But I do want to see this graphic novel rendering of it. It's getting really, really good press. And just flipping through it visually, it, it looks very stunning. Um, so there's a lot a lot coming out right now and i wanted to wait till i'd read like all the graphic novels sitting on my shelf before i recorded this and i realized that was crazy because i've been really into reading these lately and if i wait till i have read them all that i'm after then you're never going to get this so the adaptations is one use of this and certainly like i say the babysitter's club was a big door through which i entered this and those are also really well done it was a nice way to modernize them because the babysitter's club was in many ways so about the fashion and the look and the feel of a time and that all had to be modernized or it wasn't going to work for a modern audience so to take the text of those books you know if you ever read the Babysitters club back in the day there was always this chunk of text that introduced the babysitters and told you what they looked like and all of that and it was pretty repetitive in each book and there it was long um to be able to kind of just cut that and draw them looking how they look, but with a modern take and then tell their story was a really good way to refresh them. So the adaptations is a big one, but original stories are still the hallmark of graphic novels. And it would be a mistake to assume that these are just classic books redrawn. Isn't that pretty? There's some of that going on, but there's a lot more to it than that. Um, one of my favorites that I've read this year is uh, Satchel Paige. And I thought it was a biography when I picked it up, but it's not. Satchel Paige, who's a baseball pitcher, a Negro League pitcher, becomes a character in this book. Um, it's actually a fictional story set in the South where Satchel Paige ha- and his team have come to do what's called barnstorming, where groups of baseball players would come into town and play your local team. And everybody would split the gate. And that book was amazing because it really conveyed, I had never thought about this. I'd read about barnstorming, but I'd never thought about how dangerous it was for these black athletes to win. You know, to go into town and beat the local white team that was a scary thing in a scary time. And there's actually a visual portrayal in the book of a lynching that they sort of go past as they're on their way into town. Um, it's the kind of thing that would be hard to convey, especially in a book for kids with language, because it would feel too much and it would feel too heavy. But because of this storytelling format, you can do it that way. And it's a way of very quickly conveying. It's a really good book. Um, and so that's historical fiction. It was, that which is one of the genres that I love and read. Um so I've done some fantasy, kids graphic novel of late and um I read a pretty funny one about a girl who goes to Russian summer camp. It's called Be Prepared, which was as a person who's been to camp myself, it was kind of a super interesting take on camp. <laughs> Um, So there's so much original storytelling out there. What I've been working my way through lately, and I have kind of mixed feelings about it. There's a graphic novelist called named Lucy, I think it's nicely. It's K N I S L E Y. And my husband sent me a review of her latest book which is about becoming a mom, which is of course the phase of life that I'm in. So he thought I might want to read it. And I realized that a couple of her books were already on my TBR and it was going to take me a while to get this book at the library. So I checked out her entire backlist and I've been working my way through it and I don't love her books. There's some things about them I don't like. They're a little kind of navel-gazy for me. She has that sort of millennial world around me thing to some of them. But they're really well-drawn. They're in full color, which I love. And they're about food, a lot of them. Food and travel, which are two of the things I really like. So been reading my way through her backlist. She's probably best known for relish. Which is kind of, it's been described as the joy of cooking in graphic novel format, where she sort of works her way through her life history with food. Her mom was a caterer and, you know, she has this kind of lifelong relationship with food in graphic novel format. And I get nervous about foodie books because I want to be a foodie, but I'm not. So I feel like I'm going to be judged for my box mac and cheese. But... Because of the way this book was, it didn't feel like that. It really did feel like a holistic relationship with food, like everything from the terrible junk food and your bad grad school cooking experiences to some of the best meals you've had in your life. So I think actually my favorite of her backlist is Displacement, which is a travelogue that she wrote about taking a cruise with her elderly grandparents. It is melancholy because there's a lot in it about grandma's dementia and sort of this journey that she's on to realize that she's at the end of her grandparents' lives. But it is beautiful. I like a good travelogue. And so it's been interesting working my way through her backlist as I wait for her latest book. She's been described as eat, pray, love for the girls' generation. And as somebody who doesn't really love either one of those things, it makes sense why I don't completely fall in love with her. But her stuff is refreshingly original, which is why I think it would be worth taking a look at. So The other one that I'm picking up at the library this week, so I can't recommend it because I haven't actually seen it, but I'm pairing it up with Anne Frank, is Belonging, uh, German Reckons with History, Um, which we talked a little bit about that on the last episode, about how do you read about historical bad guys? And this is a German person's dealing with the historical bad guys in their own family which is I think something that we don't do enough um, in this culture either like dealing with the history of your own family and what your own family has done to people and how you place that so I'm super super excited to get that one I like walking through the graphic novel section of my local indie bookstore because there's just so much new and interesting stuff coming out and great memoir and I've just come a long way from that person who kind of wouldn't touch them and thought they were all manga. Um, I think I've just realized that the world is open to this and this is really a burgeoning thing and animation as an art form has come leaps and bounds. But I think that's the thing about graphic novels is that certainly there's a lot of digital art to them, but they still feel very personal, um, very... Hand-drawn is the wrong word, but, you know, it doesn't feel as much like it can be done with a computer because there's so much storytelling to it. I'm not an artist, so I can't tell you about the breakdown between what's done by computer and what's done by hand. And it doesn't really matter at the end of the day if it's a good book. And the same is true with picture books. I think that's why it's sort of odd that it took me a while to come to graphic novels because I adore picture books. I adore picture books and we have this wonderful storytelling format that we use for telling stories, mostly to our youngest readers, but not exclusively. I think we all benefit by reading picture books and there are some great ones for adults and teens as well. And graphic novels are not picture books, but they come from that same tradition of this is something that doesn't do as well when it's one or the other. It takes the combination of words and art. Not that there aren't wordless ones. There are, but really it's the combination of words and art and The line between what's a picture book and what's a graphic novel has been played with in ways that I find kind of fun, especially in kind of middle grade. The Invention of Hugo Cabaret is a big one that I think of as a picture book. I think of it as a really long middle grade picture book, but it does kind of walk that line. And there's a new one, Baby Monkey Private Eye, which I think might actually be the same author as The Invention of Hugo Cabaret. Yeah, it's totally not. Just kidding. I was making that up. But it is sort of a graphic novel slash picture book for the early reader set. So it's got, you know, that limited language and the big text that you use when you have learning to read books. And it fits kind of into the I can't read tradition, but it's longer and it's drawn in sort of it's it's like kind of this hard-boiled mystery for your five-year-old. It's really great. So literature is on a constant evolution and it is constantly reshaping itself and reinventing itself and evolving itself and yet it all comes from this fantastic tradition and the pairing of art and text is not new it's just being done in different ways so I am grateful that I have had a personal renaissance that has led me to um, being more of a graphic novel reader I hope I've given you some ideas of some places to start if you are reluctant to take the genre on um they're expensive. That's one thing I will warn you, especially the ones that I like that are in full color because it takes a lot of money to print them. So while I'm a huge believer in supporting authors and artists and that they should get paid, and I do try to, what I try to do is when I'm buying books new, I try to support lesser known authors, if that makes sense. I am going to do an episode on my relationship with book buying and book browsing, but oftentimes I will wait for books from authors that I think are having more success from the library and I will buy ones by authors that are up and coming but I definitely if you're going to get into this genre do use and abuse your library because you can easily go through stacks of these and if you try to buy every single one you're going to read you're probably going to go broke because they are expensive but I think they're really cool. And for this phase in my life, especially when I really do want a book that I can get through in a couple of hours, being able to pick up a graphic novel and take it and read it It makes me feel so accomplished. I'm getting so much reading done. So that's been my relationship with graphic novels over the last 15 years. Um, I'm going to try to make sure that everything I've talked about pops up on Goodreads. Um, I'll be working on that. I am woefully behind on show notes, but I have decided that it's more important to me to get these out to you than it is to make sure that there's up to date show notes on the website. So I'm going to try to get caught up at noextrawords.wordpress.com, um, with all the notes and links and all that good stuff. Um, but Instagram is probably the best way to find me if you want to see what it is I'm reading and then I'm trying to review everything that I'm reading and talking about over on Goodreads and I'm at No Extra Words in both of those places so I do hope you'll come find me I like to talk books with friends and I think in the next episode we're gonna talk about my relationship with book buying and book browsing and how i make all of that work in my life um we'll probably talk a tiny bit of unread shelf project as well in there so hopefully that'll be in a week or so in the meantime go grab yourself some graphic novels and it's been fun hanging out with y'all take care